Welcome to the AudioCast by SamLuce.com. Episode 6, But What About the Bible? In a recent blog post I wrote for David C. Cook's content site for kids ministry leaders called Spark, I talked about in recent years there's been very similar language used by apostates in explaining their deconstruction stories. One of those familiar tunes they all seem to play is the God of the Old Testament versus the God of the New Testament. I talked about this in my last podcast. These arguments that these modern apostates pose have a cascading effect. Once you attack the nature of God, the next domino to fall is the authority of Scripture. What is interesting to me is that all those who apostatize follow the same path that theologians follow in systematic theology. Apostates seem to tear down the foundations that have been systematically laid. I had a conversation with my good friend Janet Magruder, director of Lifeway Kids. She recently wrote a book called Nothing Less, Engaging Kids in a Lifetime of Faith. Uh, In this book, she and her team discussed the results of a survey done by Lifeway. They found nine indicators that led to lifelong faith in kids. The most surprising finding was that the number one indicator of lifelong faith is not the faith of your parents. It isn't even church attendance or, or even generations of attendance in the same church. The number one indicator of lifelong faith is actually Bible reading, and it's not even close. A.W. Tozer says this. He says, nothing less than a whole Bible can make a whole Christian. This, Jenna says, is the basis for the book they wrote. Jenna says at Lifeway, what they were looking for was what creates lifelong faith in kids. Here's what she had to say about it. The, the nothing less research, which you're uh, referring to, um, was our attempt at Lifeway Kids to commission a, a large-scale research project that basically answered this question. What can we do now as parents, as ministry leaders, what can we do now while, while kids and teens are under our roof still that will have the most impact on them later as adults? Yeah. That's a great question. That's a great question to ask. Yeah, and really it came from um, you know, our leadership team all being in the parenting journey right now. And so we're kind of you know, scratching our heads like, okay, we're uniquely positioned to be able to commission a, a research study like this. And actually, these are the questions that we really want to know. Is there something that we could identify? Um, and I think at first we thought, you know, is there a formula? Is there a right. recipe that if we get this right, that we could have more assurance that our kids are not going to leave the church? Like a different research study says, you know, so many leave and, and some come back, many don't. Um, so what can, what can we do from um, a parenting perspective as a children's ministry, student ministry, family ministry perspective? So um, when we got the results back, our, our research team came back to us and said, you know, you've got the number one answer is so far away from number two and three and four that it really needs to be in its own separate category. So as you, you know, write this book, don't make it look like number one is this, number two is right after it, and number three is right after that. It needs to stand alone. It needs to have yeah. its own place because it's so, our research is so far, um, shows it so far in importance and value than the other things. And the, the answer was, the, was Bible reading. And I got to tell you, Sam, when we got that back, we were um, a little embarrassed because here we are, the children's ministry experts, mm-hmm. and 
Bible reading is number one. Well, didn't we already know that? It felt like we should have known that. Right. So the answer was super simple and it felt obvious, but yet we're looking back at ourselves. We're looking at the families around us and in our churches that are, you know, on a similar journey. And it's really profound because mm. it's not the first thing that our brains go to on what's going to be that difference maker. And it's really, the book really teases this out. It's not what we're chasing as a culture. Right. So we're chasing um, a lot of other things in the books addresses, you know, where it kind of debunks some of the myths that, that, um, um, you know, um, some of the surprising things were, you know, travel sports that, that doesn't move the dial in our research, doesn't move the mm-hmm. dial spiritually later. Um, uh, but you would think it did the way we chase <laughs> yeah. uh, or sports mm-hmm. in general, getting yeah. good grades, uh, which if you go to private school, Christian school, homeschool, public school, none of that matters. Church size, church consistent uh, or consistency at one church. Uh, we thought, you know, is there an advantage with kids who stay at one church for their whole lives or multiple generations? Mm-hmm. Uh, or is there an advantage of kids who go to lots of different churches in their growing up years? None of that matters. None of that shows, none of those things show up on the list. Right. Number one thing by far was Bible reading. In nothing less, Jan and her team reveal that this is not what we're chasing as a culture. We chase travel sports, grades, private school, Christian school, home school. Big church, small church, none of these things uh, made a difference that Bible reading made. I think the reason why we miss this is that while we may value scripture, I'm not sure we see it as authoritative in our lives. There are many reasons why people don't see scripture as authoritative. The first reason is this. People view scripture as literature to be analyzed. Or criticized. They don't see scripture as communication. Scripture's meaning can be understood as the communicative act of an author that has been inscribed in the text and addressed to the intended audience for the purposes of engagement. Janine Brown. And I think what's so amazing about this quote from Janine Brown is this, is she's saying this, is scripture is not literature, it's communication. And it and it's communicated with this idea that the text is addressed to a, a particular people for a particular reason, for purposes of engagement with the author. And I think that changes, changes everything. When, when we look at Scripture's communication, it changes our posture and how we approach Scripture. Descartes, in The Enlightenment, ushered in this idea, I think, therefore I am. He believed that we find our meaning by elevating rational thought and empirical evidence over all else. While we should by no means check our brains at the door when we approach Scripture, we should, however, avoid the arrogance that our identity is found in our intellect. Scripture is not adverse to science at all, but it is also not subject to science. When the Bible moves from being an object to be studied to being communication from God to us about who He is and how He is to be worshipped, it changes how we approach Scripture. When the Bible is an object to be studied, we place ourselves above it and we look at it for empirical proof of God Himself. We feel like God has to prove himself through empirical evidence and we subject it to the same, same tests and scientific methods that we use to test the world that he created. When we view scripture as communication, we listen and speak in turn. We hear intending to respond. We humbly place ourselves under scripture intending to respond to its author. Number two, we don't like authority in general. Well, being a mom of 
two teenagers, almost three, one's 12 and a half, um, I would say <laughs> that um, our sinful nature, just by nature, is to um, not really enjoy being um, under authority in general. I mean, that's kind of the short mom answer, not a theology answer. But um, uh, I think, you know, I have, for, for example, I have a 17 and a half year old right now who really enjoys reading um, scripture, but I've been watching her and um, the way that she is geared is to test things. So um, academically even, so she's not really a, a, my rebel in terms of behavior, but she very much, her intellect wants to prove things right or wrong. And so you and I earlier were talking about um, one of your professors being um, um, talking about how many of us read the Bible um, as a um, something to be analyzed and not sit under it as communication. Right. My daughter came to mind because I think that she's looking at it as something that, um, that she definitely believes in and wants to know more about, but also to see if it's something that she could put a theory over or poke a hole in or say, well, other commentators say this and that kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. um, um, depending on the kid, I think the, that the struggle with authority is different. Um, some just like adults, we like to kind of stretch scripture to make it do what we want to do. Mm-hmm. So whether that's justifying sin, um, or justifying behavior, um, something that I, Oh, I need, I, I need to listen to this portion, but not this portion, um, and make it kind of work for us. Uh, that in itself is rejecting the authority of scripture. Um, and something that I think we need to watch for in our own lives, as well as, um, the kids in our lives. Right. And I think, I think there's two ways. Like, I think like you're saying is that we look at it as something to be analyzed, but we also look at it as something, I think uh, one of the big things I've noticed in um, American culture, I think, you know, over the past three decades or so of small groups, we always start with the question, what does that mean to you? Mm-hmm. you know, and uh, we've sort of trained, uh, uh, you know, this, this, this whole generation of people to look at the Bible, to look at it in terms of what does it mean to me, rather than what is God saying to yeah. them? And how does that apply to me? Right. And, and I think that's a huge difference. I think that's, that's something that we as kids ministers and as youth workers, we have to change. We have to change yeah. that culture of what does this mean to me to what does God trying to, what is he, how is he revealing himself and how do I apply that to my life? Yeah. Right. Cause it's humility. It's humility. It takes humility to look at the Bible as authority. I think that's what you're saying, you know, and, yeah. Mom and I think it does. We have to sit under it. Right. We do. And obedience is something that um, the Lord has really been uh, working on me with, um, you know, the pendulum swing in terms of uh, how uh, w- whatever pastor is most popular in, in the time of day or, or, or what have you. But um, I think for a while we swung so far into, uh, you know, we're just sinners and we're covered by grace. And that's true. And I've taught my children that they've also used those words against me when they get in trouble. (laughs) I'm just a sinner, mom. (laughs) 
um, can you give me some more grace? Um, that's what God does. And, um, so, and, you know, I want them to truly understand that, that concept, but on the other hand, there, the obedience is real. Righteousness is real. We're called to, to, um, to be holy and to walk, uh, like Jesus, um, you know, through the power of the Holy spirit. And so, obedience is a thing. And so sitting under the authority of scripture, that is, you know, the kind of posture and response um, that we're called to. Yeah. yeah but totally. with lots of grace. Yes. <laughs> when yes we do, totally. yeah. But when we do inevitably mess up, because we will. Right. Um, um, and I think it's important for, for, for parents to help their children understand that they too are sinners and they do, you know, we as adults mess up and, um, you know, to display the gospel at home, um, by asking forgiveness and, and mm. talking about how, you know, it's really good. mommy needs to save you too. Um, we need Jesus too. Um, I think yeah. those are, those are things that, um, that we would be wise to do as parents. This is true for kids, but it's also true for adults. We don't like limits. We don't want anyone to tell us what we can do and what we can't do. We don't like hearing that we don't have what it takes and we need help. In North America, we pride ourselves on our self-reliance. The Bible preaches a different message. It teaches a message of God dependence. We need his help and we have no hope without it. Number three, we failed to read the Bible in light of what it meant to the people to whom it was written. Over the past 30 years, the North American church has conditioned its church members to misread scripture. For the past several decades in small groups across America, as the faithful have cracked open their Bibles and read scripture aloud and asked this faithful question, what did that verse mean to you? This question leads us to a place the person asking it never intended. What does it mean to me is not the right question to ask. What did it mean to those to whom it was written, then followed by, in light of that, how does this apply to us? We take a passage of scripture divorced of its context and then we attempt to apply it to our own context, we do violence to the text. This violence may have innocent origins, but I can assure you that where it leads is not good. It is this line of thinking that allows us to form scriptures to our own experience and God into our own image. When we say that's not what Paul meant or my God would never do this or that, we're on very shaky ground. So the question is this, how do we as parents help our kids see the Bible is authoritative. The first thing I think that we have to do is that we have to model the importance of the Bible by allowing them to see us reading it in front of them. Jen, in our conversation, said that she intentionally moved her devotional time to the living room, doing this so that her kids would see her reading and valuing scripture with her time and actions. I've blogged about doing the exact same thing for my kids. If we want our kids to value God's word, we have to value it ourselves. We have to show them as much or more than we tell them. Number two, read it yourself. The reason why so many adults shy away from the conversations with their kids about the Bible is as parents, we're not reading the Bible ourselves. In a 2016 survey LifeWay conducted, they found that Americans like the Bible, they just don't read the Bible. About half of Americans, 53%, have read relatively little of the Bible. One in 10 has read none of it, while 13% have read a few sentences. 30% say that they have only read several passages or stories. We cannot, as parents or pastors, expect our kids to read the Bible if we don't read the Bible ourselves. Knowing that the most significant indication of future faith for our kids is Bible reading, we must begin publicly reading and consistently reading for ourselves 
for our own present faith, but also for our kids' future faith. Number three, give your kids resources that will help them be successful. One of the things that fundamentally changed my devotional life was the discovery of two devotional resources. The first was The Valley of Vision, a book of Puritan prayers. The second was Table Talk from Ligonier Ministries. I asked Jana what resources she would recommend to help kids with their understanding of and love for Scripture. She recommended Big Picture Questions and Answers, a question-and-answer discipleship format that is available for free at Lifeway. Our church does this weekly with our kids. We use the New City Catechism. For some people, questions and answers doesn't work for you or your family. For those who would like to disciple their kids based on what they can know and what they, what they should know about God at each age level, Jenna recommends another free resource from Lifeway called Levels of Biblical Learning. Every parent wants their kids to do better in life than they did. As a pastor and Christian parent, this is certainly true for me. I want my kids to love Jesus more than I did at their age. We want our kids' present faith to continue to grow into future faith. So how do we do that? What we do is we model what we value. We practice what we preach. We curate content for them that will help them approach the Bible with an attitude of humble submission. We teach our kids that the Bible is not an object to be studied, nor is it primarily a love letter to us. The Bible is God communicating to us who He is, what He is like, and how He is to be worshipped.